This is Coda Radio, episode 504 for February 6, 2023. Welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is the inspiration, my muse, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Oh, I've never been anybody's muse before. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're a great muse. I've been the respondent, the defendant, but never the muse. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, man. It's a crazy day today. Like, as we're going on the air, Google makes an announcement. Microsoft makes an announcement. And they're both basically about the same thing. Google has announced... They're launching in the coming weeks a chat GPT rival and Microsoft has announced a surprise event that uh, will feature chat GPT integration with Bing. Right now, as we go on the air, both these are coming out. Of course, we record on a Monday. So by the time most people are hearing this, this will probably they'll probably know what Microsoft's details are. Internally here at JB, we've been referring to chat GPT kind of as a lark just as bing gpt because microsoft has dumped so much money into open ai <laughs> well if at first you don't succeed i just you know bribe somebody else right i, don't know. I wonder i i guess uh i guess my invitation must have got lost in the mail because i see they're they're hosting an event here in redmond you know that's not too far from where i'm at hmm that must have been an oversight an accident okay you and i only get invited to system 76 actually you get invited more places you go to dell <laughs> actually we did get invited to Microsoft once. Remember when we went down there and I did some chatting with them? Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to the folks that listen down there. Oh, we did. I forgot. And actually, I also went to Microsoft here in Florida, but that was for TMB. You know what I will say? I'm just, I'm not throwing any shade at Microsoft. You know, good people, please don't raise my Azure prices. Google gave me lunch. Dell does too. Right. Microsoft was kind of like, they had K-Cups, which I was like, K-Cups? What are you, high? Like. Yeah. Although, like, it, it, you know, that's how you know Microsoft would survive the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, Microsoft is like, yeah, we're adults. Yeah. We don't. I remember I was struck. I was in the Google office in Chelsea, and they're like, this is the Lego room. And I, I almost said something snarky, but I didn't want to be rude. But they legit have a Lego room. <laughs> like, for Bless their hearts there at the uh, Dell Austin office, but they've got an on-site doctor. They're in the uh, lunch area. That makes sense. A doctor? Like a like a medical doctor? That would change my life. Dude, I think that's great. That's actually like, as a guy with a heart condition, and I know you've had your troubles too, I I feel like that's like not crazy. Like on-site masseur, little nuts, Lego you, room. You wonder, does it just turn into somebody pumping out medication though? <laughs> Keeping all the employees uh, medicated? Pro- probably most <laughs> of the time, but think about this. Accidents happen, right? People get hurt. Somebody who can just patch you up real quick before EMS comes. That's, that's a, I'm, I'm going to tip my hat to that. Oh, I agree. It's just like, yeah. imagine that's a hell of a perk. Yeah. I could have used it. Uh, I'm a zombie today. I, uh, oh, dude. I, don't, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I wasn't even going to talk about this on the show, but I'm going to just mention it because I want to know if anybody else out there experienced this phenomenon. And I've been meaning to kind of bring it up, but I just haven't. And it's, but now it's, it's so happened so consistently, I have to talk about it. And that is the rare occasion that I, I get like a big opening in my schedule. I get super sick every single time. It's like the moment life kind of just comes to a stop and I don't have a lot going on, I get overcome with illness. And when I did end up in the hospital and almost died, it was the same kind of thing. I was just working through it almost to the point where I just wouldn't even acknowledge it. I don't know what it was going on. I still can't really understand it. 
And so, you know, I, I got, we, we pre-recorded LUP on for Sunday. And so the way the schedule worked out, I, my last show was on Wednesday. So I was going to take Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and I was going to just bang out projects here at the studio, clean things up, reorganize the garage. I had like this massive list that I wanted to get done. And uh, I start working midday. I ended up getting sick and I start getting sicker and sicker. And it was like the moment I didn't have shows or work stuff that happens every time I inevitably get so sick, like haven't slept for like two nights, earaches and just all kinds of just horrible, horrible, horrible getting sick. Stomach troubles, I'm sure. Stomach troubles, uh, coughing, chest, sinuses. It's the weirdest phenomenon. I think it's, I, I get the same thing. I think it's because you're used to the adrenaline of being constantly going. That when you lose it, you go into like some sort of weird, like almost natural withdrawal state. I worry if it is adrenaline, does that mean I'm like depleting my adrenal gland or something? You know, like that's what I wonder too, is if the adrenaline is maybe keeping the immune system a little amped up. And then the moment I cut the adrenaline off, the immune system spins down and I get super sick. Well, you know, you remember that Jason Statham movie, right? You just, you know, there are remedies. I Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just real time correction. I just got two iMessages. Uh, it was not a Lego room. It was several Lego cubbies and one Lego closet. I apologize. <laughs> Fair enough. Moving on. Sorry. Yeah, and they probably have all kinds of stuff. Um, so I wanted to read this one bit of feedback. We got a lot to get into today, so we're going to keep the feedback a little tight. But we still want your feedback. Coder show slash contact. But I got a I got a, a toot on Mastodon at Double Rooney writes. At Chris Lass, in Coder 503, you advocated ChatGPT-like AI for your RV's wiring diagram. But how would that be any better than the website just having a make model variant selector and input there giving you the diagram in return? Sure, you could apply a little AI here, but it's not required as far as I can see. This is a great question. Now, I do want to just kind of critique one thing. I, I really dislike it when people spin when I talk about something like if I pontificate about how you could use chat GPT and then somebody comes along and says, I advocate for chat GPT. That's a manipulation of my words. And that drives me crazy only because it happens so often that it's just, it's a raw nerve. I didn't advocate for anything. I speculated where it could be going. Second of all, I, I also feel like it's kind of obvious. Of course, this is me being cranky because I'm sick, but if they could do that, if they somehow had the means they would have done it 20 years ago, right? They've had a website for 20 years. They would have done it. They haven't done it. It hasn't gotten done. They need a tool that can go through, realize what it's looking at, and then make it available to customers who don't know what the hell they're asking for. And with something like these diagrams, there's some that Thor wants to double check before they send them out to. It's a complicated issue. But I do wonder if there isn't a product. I mean, picture it, Mike, kind of like a, a product that you could almost build an offer that would you pointed at a file share that has thousands of PDFs for a company's different products and specs and models. And it analyzes that file share, ingests all those PDFs, and applies categorization and analysis to figure out what they are, and then surfaces them in a search, in a, in a chat-like search. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I think it's, is it a great product? I don't know. Is it a product that uh, is going to probably take years to get right? Yes. I'm not advocating for it, though. I'm just thinking I could see it. I mean, I, I don't think we advocate for really anything on this show except for Objective-C. Yeah. And is it do we is our morning for Sun really advocating? Because it's already dead, right? 
Yeah, I, I know. I was trying to think of what we could be advocating for there. Actually, I do, I do know what we advocate. We do. It's not true. We do advocate for something. What's that? Indie devs. We are definitely like not neutral, right? We we're we're super pro small. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If we're being serious about it, yeah, that is definitely our that's our bias. All right. So let's talk about one thing before we move on that I've been meaning to mention in the last three episodes, and I don't think I have. We created a jobs room in Matrix, a JB jobs room. And the intention is for those that have positions that are hiring or for those that are looking for work in the tech field to kind of meet up there. We've had a couple of different ideas. Um, we've even gotten some pitches uh, from a, a larger podcasting group that wanted to kind of like have a bunch of podcasts go in and get a jobs board. And then all the podcasters would make a little affiliate money from everybody trying to get jobs. I, that just felt gross. And I didn't want to do that. And I, and, um, Listener Casey hit me up and was like, well, you know what you could do? You could just create a chat room <laughs> for people to connect. I'm like, God, that's so simple and straightforward and yet effective. And it's been working. There has been some action in that room. It is really great to see. People are finding jobs and it's great. So uh, I will link to that in the show notes if you're looking for work or you have a position. Because the great thing is, if you're listening to this show, you're either going to be a great place to work or they're going to be a great employee. There's a little heuristics you can apply there, and it's it's such a it's it's such a uh, you know it's such a great community. Bit.ly slash Jupiter Jobs to get directly to there, or of course you can just look at our space and find it in there. All right, Mike, are you ready? Mm, I have comments. Go. Oh, I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to announce that the Coder Robe is now available for purchase and ordering. It is up. In fact, there's a couple other special items there as well. You can find them all at jupitergarage.com or uh, was it the coder.win? Coder.win, yep. The, the, also, members, check your members area because you get a discount. So this, um, I am never doing this robe again. This is the last time I will ever do this. <laughs> we'll, we'll get them, don't worry. Just don't even listen to this part. I mean, maybe some other item, maybe one day. This this robe is dead to me after this. But a, a robe and a smoking jacket are two different items, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. See how we got them. Um, the, one of the issues we got we had is the Barcelona Fulfillment Center rejected, and I don't remember why, because I've, I've been sick. But they rejected stocking our robes there for our EU listeners. So the shipping cost could not be just folded into the cost of the robe. So watch that carefully because international shipments could be very expensive and i hate that but it is what it is so what i did is we created a couple other items that you know if you're international you might want to consider because these are in the fulfillment centers and the cost is significantly cheaper and number one on the list here is the coder tumbler we have an official coder radio tumbler and uh you know why not have it fresh why not have it in a coder tumbler and it has a Spill-resistant design, you might say. Spill-resistant. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying you're my muse. You know, you, I'm not saying anything other than you inspire me. Uh, I did not know about the Coder Tumblr until today. and <laughs> Yeah, I came up with this at the last minute when I realized the robe situation. <laughs> right, the European situation. I, I, I failed to read the description until just now, literally, as we did our four count for the air. And yeah, uh, yeah. you know what? Let me just read it. 
Can I just read it? Okay. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> What's an episode of Coda Radio without a wine tumbler to keep a drink fresh and at just the right temperature? Forget breakable and easy to spill glasses. Give this uniquely shaped wine tumbler a chance and have fun with friends without worry. Yeah. I have many problems with this. <laughs> First of all, I don't drink wine. Yeah. I drink gin. Right. Like a gentleman. Right. Right. No, like, yeah, yeah, something like that. Also, unspill resistant. Well, define spill resistant, Chris. I think I could spill it. Yeah. If I had a MacBook next to me. I mean, I could definitely spill it. I have to use, I have to use Apple-like language there, right? You know how they right. call their stuff, like, water-resistant or whatever, they, whatever well, their I term is? I think you is. needed a, a graph with, like, an unlabeled axis and no digits, uh-huh. right? Just, like, tick marks yeah. to say, here's Mike's normal spillage rate. And then you right. put the code or tumbler, down, right? yeah. and it's, like, just a little less, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, so I did cheat a little bit. I sent this to my uh, relatives, uh to be honest, my female relatives, many of them are wine enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just bought four of them. Oh. And they're, none of them are for me. So I'm expecting my freebie. <laughs> and also, folks, I'm going to give you every time anybody who breaks this gets some free Mad Botter swag. Ooh. So nice. But okay, you can't like run a truck over it. You have to legitimately be loaded and you also have to break a MacBook. It looks really robust, right? It's made out of stainless steel. You really were thinking of me, weren't you? <laughs> it's the Iron Man of wine glasses. It also feels like one of those that I'll, I'd have in my cupboard for years. You know, some of that coder sway we've done over the years, it's like the coasters. I still have those. Uh, some of those I just love. Do you know, I am using a coder, an OG a green logo coder radio coaster right now. Those things last. I keep one in the studio. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep. yep. I keep one in the studio. Um, and then also in the budget range, and also just because I, I don't know why we didn't have this. We have now a die cut sticker of uh, the Coda Radio logo. We had a sticker of the album art before, but this is just the Coda Radio, nice and clean. And it's again, it's a it's a nice value priced option because that damn robe. Never again, never, never again. And so, the way the robe orders work is it's like until supplies last. Um, I'm not going to order anymore. I'm not doing this again. Uh, I love the robe. You know, when I was sick, I wear it every day, dude. That robe is great. Oh man. It is really a comfortable robe, too. So jupitergarage.com or thecoder.win for that, where you'll find the Coder robe, the Coder tumbler, and the Coder cut sticker. Yay! Bonus points if you buy all of them. Linode.com slash Coder. That's where you go to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you can support the show while you're checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting that just works great for developers and has the best support in the business. Real humans all day, every day of the year. And they're 30 to 50% cheaper than the big old hyperscalers that want to lock into their crazy specific platforms. And on top of that, the performance is outrageously great. I've always felt that way. I've been a customer for at least three years. I've had friends have been customers for a decade. They always talk about the performance and the reliability, but There's also independent like cloud survey companies that go out there and conduct these surveys and they continually benchmark Linode at the top. And Linode's spinning up a dozen new data centers. They've already got 11. They're spinning up a dozen new ones this year. Great features such as object storage and documentation to use all of that. Speaking of which, I just noticed on Linode's website, they posted it early January, but I just noticed it. Uh, It's block storage with Plex. They have a guide on setting up Plex with Linode's S3 compatible block storage. 
And one of the things that's really nice about this, even if you were never going to do this, although this seems like a pretty cool way to go with uh, my ever-growing Plex collection, uh, but they also walk you through using the Linode command line client, Linode CLI, to create uh, buckets and, and name them and set their size. And the Linode command line client, it's like low-key my favorite aspect. <laughs> I know it's silly, but I put that in the Uake or Guake, depending on which. But I put in a drop-down iTerm if I'm on the Mac. You, yes, you configure iTerm to do drop-down. Did you know that? I hit the tilde button and it drops down iTerm's the wonkiest, but anyways, I run Linode CLI in there. It's so nice because it's like I have like command over my Linodes at just a tilde tap away and my object storage and all of that. And there's so many nice ways you can snap Linode into your workflow. That's one of the ones that works for me, but of course they'll snap in with any kind of infrastructure management tooling you want, or if you just want to use like their one-click deployments to just get something up and going. They've been doing this for a long time and they figured it out. They figured it out before other people even had the idea to do something like this. They figured it out. I think you're going to love it. Why don't you go figure it out? Go build something. Go learn something. Try it for yourself and support the show and see why I like it so dang much. Go to linode.com slash coder. Get that hundred bucks and support the show. One more time. It's linode.com slash coder. Let's talk a little bit of the state of hybrid mobile in 2023. This is a topic we like to check in from time to time on the show, usually about once a year, sometimes once every couple of years, it feels like. Um, and I've got flutter on the brain, but I'm curious what you want to talk about. Uh, so, okay. How about this? I'll, I did not think you would have flutter on the brain. This is one. Mm. See, after all these years, Chris, after what, 12 years, you actually surprised me. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give, how about a high level? And I'm going to talk about Maui and then you can bring on the flutter pain. How's that? All right. All right. All right. So overall, Nothing has changed, but the reason I made this a topic today is Google is making their own Chromium slash Chrome-based browser engine for iOS. And the, the word on the street, you know, you know how us, you know, cool cats say, is that Apple's gonna loosen the restrictions on having a third-party browser. So we should take it take a step back. A third-party browser on iOS is actually just a wrapper on Safari. It's running the Safari engine. It is not, in fact, you know, if you're using Chrome, it's not Chromium, right? If you're using Edge, it's, oh, wait a minute, not Chromium. Huh, wonder why Google's doing this. So you're telling me, just so I'm following, you're telling me that Google's working on a web browser right now for iOS that is not using the Safari? Well, and also is is explicitly currently forbidden on the App Store, yes. Right, exactly, okay. All right. I, the 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 rumors that are flying with people who I think would know is that Apple is taking I think a very mature, very smart strategy of trying to preempt regulation by loosening loosening up in areas where they kind of don't care anymore. Uh, one of them would be, I'll give you an example. My my wife Mariah uses uh, Chrome habitually on her iPhone because a condition of us getting married was that she throw out her Android phone. <laughs> She doesn't understand the glory that is Safari. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. But it turns out the Chrome she's using is literally just like a crappy version of Safari, right? It's it's actually worse than if she would just use Safari because it's a wrapper around the Safari WebKit engine. I kind of love this, if it's true. As a guy who does enterprise development and a lot of mobile enterprise development, often prefer Ionic and web-based solutions when I have to do hybrid. 
And the biggest hangup is that Apple, you know, the WC3 is like, we have a new standard. Apple's like, no, you don't. Not here, you don't. You know, they're very much like the Grima worm tongue of browser vendors. You have no power here, WC3. Right. Where Chromium is like, we'll embrace every standard. We'll embrace it. We'll extend it. I can't remember the last part. Well, and you know, I think Google has quite a bit more influence over there at the W3C2. Shocking. I mean, maybe I'm frying bacon. I don't think it's bacon. If it is, it's Canadian bacon. I, I just think Apple is, in fact, going to preemptively loosen up for iOS 17. Now, let's get to Maui, and then you can tell us the, the good news of Flutter. Are you familiar with what happens when you take kerosene, throw a match in a dumpster? Yeah. Yeah, you get a dumpster fire. So you, you now understand Maui. <laughs> oh, On to no. Flutter. Oh, no, really? <laughs> All right, well, you know, Flutter is an interesting beast. So I, I guess I started taking Flutter a little more seriously when Canonical announced that uh, they were going to develop a lot of their internal tooling using Flutter. And uh, I've recently had a chance to check out their new installer for Ubuntu, which is Flutter-based. And I've also tried a couple of different desktop apps on Linux, which are using Flutter. And it's uh, it kind of almost promises to be a, a quicker, faster, leaner Electron in some cases, as far as, you know, like a Linux user is concerned. So I've, I've, I guess I've kind of let myself get sucked into the excitement a bit, even though I know I should never get excited about a Google project long term. And even though I know that it's a long uphill battle. Um, and so it does seem, at least according to one developer who's creating a Flutter desktop app, that Flutter just isn't really there for desktop. Like, it is it is truly focused on mobile, uh, where it can actually be a strong competitor, I think, and they think. To get there, they have sacrificed the desktop in a few ways. Uh, they write that the ecosystem of Flutter libraries that runs on the desktop is underdeveloped. You do get to reuse a substantial portion of the Flutter libraries on the desktop, but not all of them, and the desktop support for many libraries is subpar. And worse, Flutter's standard library is also heavily skewed towards mobile. You have to put extra effort to build desktop typical patterns into your UI. And I'll link to this entire post in the notes. But they continue, as I developed my desktop app in Flutter, I found myself agitated with laggy and janky UI. The most glaring jankiness problem that I have encountered with Flutter is the consistently slow text selection refresh rate. Um, it's been an ongoing issue for nearly two years, and the application just doesn't feel right. As a result, it feels off. They go on and really kind of point out several other desktop-specific limitations. Just the desktop aspect is so early days. And I guess my question to you is, when you're looking at hybrid app development, is it really iOS and Android and maybe the web that are your targets? Is a desktop app just not as important? It always seems like the desktop versions of all of this stuff are always where it goes to die. So the desktop, uh, the desktop is the web, right? Yeah, just use the web browser, I suppose. Well, it, people, it's... You know, people want desktop apps. I mean, I run the Slack desktop app when I can. They do. I do. But if if you're talking about an enterprise context, it's uh, it just is the case that you're probably better off in the web. Now, in particular, you get into crazy situations for... I can't believe we're about to talk about Android fragmentation again, but I guess we are. <laughs> so, Android fragmentation, right? You hit weird situations where things don't run quite as uh, well as you would hope, depending on your version of Android. And this is particularly painful on Android tablets, which, if again, I'm thinking of an enterprise context. 
are probably what you're looking at. All right, so taking a step back, right? I endlessly think that the web should be the standard for mobile development. And I'm endlessly wrong because Apple puts the little hooves in the ground. And, you know, you would be surprised, Chris, how many enterprises are doing like really complex automation things or just like running their line workers off of tablets. And honestly, the Surface tablets were great for that. But Microsoft seems to be... Uh, shall we say, taking a step back? No, I, I see what you're saying in in the sense that this is an area where Microsoft's just overall tooling, SQL, and their ways to quickly put dashboards together and all of that. Like this feel, does feel like that particular use case. Fleets of users, you know, your Amazons, your, your manufacturing lines, where you have people, work, planes, where the Surface has been really successful. It feels like Microsoft could completely own that if they just close the loop with their overall ecosystem and made it really easy for people to build apps and dashboards that talk back to their SQL database and pull in contacts from their Active Directory and Exchange server and all that stupid crap. Okay, let me ask you a question, Chris. You like to fry some bacon. Do you think we'll ever have a web ecosystem where the big players aren't trying to, you know, embrace, extend, extinguish the standards, right? <sighs> Only if something comes along to replace the web someday. And, and not that the web would go away, but if it just wasn't so critical to their strategy anymore, right? When they start focusing on the next big thing. Although I say that, and I'm not actually sure it'll ever happen. It feels like the web doesn't really get disrupted. Uh, it's been here for a very long time. And other technology platforms, messaging platforms, other things kind of have been replaced. And, you know, um, not the web, though. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. That'll be a really interesting thing to see in a decade or so. So so I put the story in as an optimistic story of open standards. And then the last two weeks of the work I've been doing have completely changed my mind again. And I'm back to like, if you want a good tablet app, just pick an iPad and do it in Swift UI. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I just vomited a little. It's a nice cheap option, right? Enterprises love buying $1,000 tablets or $500 tablets. You know what? I know you're screwing around. It is, in fact, the cheap option, though. Is it? It is. The support cost ends up being a lot lower. Mm. The challenge is if the enterprise isn't set up for the MDMs. Right. And if they, they want to use a solution where they could migrate later. like so, so Apple, it's like making a deal with the devil, right? You, you have to, like, you're marrying it, right? You are an iOS shop now for your tablets. If you don't want it, like I, I kind of made fun of Maui. But if you want to be able to migrate, well, Maui is actually a good choice. It sucks that Microsoft seems to be kind of backing off the Surface tablets, which I got to tell you, I have made good money and I have very happy customers. Like we built them Windows software, right? Like it sounds crazy, but like UWP software on Surface tablets that run their whole production line and their business and they're happy. And I just, I hate to be this guy, but I actively tell customers not to buy any other windows tablet but the surfaces sure yeah because they're garbage right and it's 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 such a shame but flutter i like i like i know like my buddy hank loves flutter you love flutter i just don't believe in it i'm skeptical i just uh, yeah I, I really i really would like to see something take off and it does feel like it would need a large corporate sponsor well, Google. Google is the sponsor of Flutter. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. 
that's why I'm, that's why it's like, I, that both concerns me, but also feels like it's necessary for something like this to be sustainable. So I, I actually feel very mixed about Flutter. I just want good solutions that work across multiple devices and platforms. Well, the irony there, there is a platform like that, but they changed their licensing because they're, you know, a bunch of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know who we're talking about, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You want to say the letters? Uh, Q and a T. Uh, uh, see. I wonder if this is an area where Google could kind of come back because they have been pretty low key adding tablet specific features to Android for the last couple releases. And now they're talking publicly about their intentions. I think we've even maybe seen a leak of a pixel tablet plus foldable devices are essentially mini tablets. Mm. So you're going to have just kind of more development in Android for that more support. Yeah. So do you, do you think maybe this is an area Google could be solving? I think it's insane that with Microsoft backing off the surface, Google doesn't become the de facto enterprise tablet via Android. Yeah. Because I I mean, I have to tell you, I am making the opposite bet. So I'm betting on iPads going forward. Well, yeah. I mean, it seems like it's a safe bet long term. Well, it's also you got to remember if I if we're, you know, your average dev shop charges something like, you know, 150 to 250 an hour. Uh, an ipad you, you know you you don't need to buy the newest ipad pro for your enterprise tablet unless you're doing some crazy graphical thing so you, it's really going to be like 400 bucks maybe and then if you get a volume discount you can get that even lower uh swift ui is super efficient i mean it's basically a couple hours of development time for the app right versus i mean we've literally had this problem where customer buys a fleet of android tablets three years later they don't make that tablet anymore yes oh it's a huge issue right it's a huge issue where the ipads are i will give apple one thing i mean they are consistent you're going to get five years of support they're going to run great they're going to basically problem free and you know that they're going to get security updates i haven't used it yet but i'm looking into the apples uh and this is before you guys write your youtube comment this is not like a commercial for apple right let's just you know, small businesses, especially in today's economy, have to make practical choices. Can't support everything. Uh, Apple has their own MDM that, as a vendor, seems real interesting to me to offer people. Because it's integrated right with Xcode for folks who don't do iOS mobile development. One of the biggest pain in the butts is code signing which you can listen to the last 503 episodes of the show to learn more about that. Trust me, enterprise signing is hard. You're saying having it built into Xcode is a quality of life improvement. Well, I'm saying having an officially sanctioned Apple solution that they have to support is a, is a big deal, right? Yeah, quality of life improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes, makes the job doable. I mean, and then if, if you want to keep your back end up, you obviously put TailScale on that stuff. TailScale.com slash coder go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices and support the show and it's not a limited time thing you get it for 20 devices for as long as you want they have all kinds of plans if you want to go beyond that or you're in the enterprise and don't worry they have plenty of ways of making sure that they stick around and make money but the way they've designed this system with tailscale is so intelligent it's so clever that they can offer up to 20 devices for free you see it builds a simple secure mesh network that's protected by the noise protocol that WireGuard uses. You can get it installed on any device in just minutes. It'll take care of firewall rules for you. It works from anywhere, even behind the double carrier nets and stuff like that that you hit 
one of their co-founders has uh, folks who uh, live in an RV and he wanted to make sure that his folks always had super reliable VPN that was transparent, even when they're behind a MiFi device that's doing that and the carrier network is doing that. <laughs> you know, it's like inception level networking and they made sure it works there. The other thing that Tailscale does that makes it persistent is they only route the traffic to your Tailscale network machines that need, that's, that's supposed to go there. So if you go to Google.com, that doesn't get routed to, to your Tailnet. That goes out to the Internet. And so you're not sending all your traffic. You're sending your Tailnet specific traffic. And that makes it always on because then you can just leave it up. You're not worried about something getting sent to your VPN when you really just wanted to browse the Internet and slowing everything down. You're not worried about things getting routed to the wrong network. You can just leave it up all the time, which means you have a persistent mesh network. And that is a powerful thing. And Tailscale recently made audit logs generally available, which is nice when something like this is important to you. You can now audit the logs for any changes made to your Tailscale network or your Tailnet configuration. And if you're an admin of a Tailnet, you can also access the audit logs in the logs page of the admin console. And in there, you'll see a table of changes made to your network with the most recent events shown first. And you can filter by user, time, and action taken. They're really nice. And the other thing that I think is slick, you can pull those logs via their API too. So if you have tooling you want to build around it, you can, you know, love that kind of flexibility. And there's so many other nice things about Tailscale, you guys. This is something I just truly, truly am passionate about and love. And I could sit here and go on and on about Tailscale Send, and I could go on about Tailscale SSH, and I could go on about their ACLs and how I've got my DNS set up now and how I really feel like it's helping me stay private and secure online in a way that I wasn't ever really going to do with a traditional VPN because I wanted to build my own network of resources, my own VMs and containers that are behind this tailnet. It's so great. Go try it out. It's such a neat service and uh, you get it for free up to 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. One more time to support the show. Go visit tailscale.com slash coder. So the Biden administration wants to crack down on App Store gatekeepers. And uh, Gizmodo ran a story with a real focus on Apple, but it's actually both Apple and Google. Why, were, why are they mad at Apple? Hmm, let's think about that one. Hmm. So check this one. I didn't even know this existed. There's so many federal departments and agencies. This one uh, is a report coming from the Department of Commerce, National Telecommunications and Information Administration, the NTIA. They published yesterday that um, the App Store model is, quote, harmful to consumers and developers. And I kind of feel like this reports, it's an interesting mixed bag. They obviously did their homework. I read the whole port report and um, they cite times that Google execs make a statement in a court case about how many installs go through the Play Store versus sideloading. Like they really did digging to get some of this information. And they try to they do try to offer both sides of the story here. But in short, they're advocating for big changes to both companies. They want to reduce the hurdles developers have to uh, go through to get into the App Store space. This all got kicked off in 2021 when Biden signed an executive order on competition. They it's uh, essentially go look into the tech industry was the uh, executive order. And in that executive order, he said, quote, Dominant internet platforms use their power to exclude market entrants and to extract monopoly profits. And so now uh, this report is advocating for at least two different bills, one of two different bills to pass. The American Innovation and Choice Online Act, AICOA, um, which gives the DOJ and Congress, quote, broad powers 
to directly affect the ways in which app stores, mobile app stores are governed. There's also another bill that's in the Senate, the Open App Markets Act, which would give them the same, quote, broad powers. And I'm kind of I I find this to be remarkable. I just want to pause here before we get to the rest of the report. This essentially makes the president of the United States the king. And these companies serve now at the leisure of the king. That's what's happening here. An executive order could end up irreparably reconstructing the tech sector. Not market forces, not something like natural, but an executive order of a president who may only be a one-term president even, just can cause this chain of effects. And maybe this is the right way to work, but this just blows me away. Eh, never going to happen. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, although these laws, if they if they pass these, they won't pass anything. Yeah, if they, you don't think so? You think if they if they if they pass one of these acts, they essentially get legal authority to go in there and uh, knock some heads around. I mean, this is this is related to the story about the browser engines, right? They're Apple's going to do enough and enough, and most importantly, enough lobbying. And so was Google, by the way. It's not just Apple, right? We pick on Apple, but that nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're probably likely right. Yeah, right. They'll open up the browser. Also, if something did happen, they they will just sue in court forever, go up to the Supreme Court, and then nothing will happen anyway. They do look at the situation on uh, Google uh, and the Play Store, and they say 90% of the app downloads on Android devices are through the Google Play Store. The number of available apps for the Google Play Store is around 2.7 million. Um, it is, while it is possible, they say, to download apps out of the Play Store, the process comes with additional, sometimes cumbersome security hoops. I find this whole thing to be kind of a mixed bag in the sense that it does clearly outline a few issues that you and I have talked about for years, that the current app store policies might maybe offer some security benefits, but come at all these costs, not just to the app store, but also just the general policies about APIs and the operating system and all of that. On page 13 of the report, they make comparisons to the Microsoft antitrust actions taken around Internet Explorer. And I wonder what you think of this. First, they compare the web browser market back uh, in the late 90s to the mobile market of today. But then they say this. They say, this report says the DOJ's action against Microsoft, the antitrust, that they, the antitrust lawsuit they did over Internet Explorer bundling, the DOJ's action against Microsoft led to the growth of many of today's major tech firms. They say that in the report. Do you agree with that statement that the antitrust lawsuit against Microsoft, the outcome of that was many of today's major tech firms? How do they even get that? I mean, that's a hard counterfactual, right? I I could see an argument that the chilling effect it had on Microsoft made them a bit stagnant for about a decade, and that allowed the other tech firms to get a leg on them. But is that really how you want antitrust work? <laughs> like to scare someone into into basically being incompetent, right? Uh, the other thing I'd add is like, okay, so. I am going to make the devil's advocate case here because like having written Java applets and a little bit of Java development for the old flip phones, I can tell you that when Apple came out with an app store that you could release, you know, quote unquote, anything on and just pay 30%, that was the best deal in town. And now it's 15%. Like I will say Apple proactively reached out to the mad botter and was like, Hey, if you publish another app, you know you only have to pay 15%, right? Because you don't make a million dollars in the app store. Because they, it was unclear before. It used to be like 
total revenue. Now it's just in the App Store. I, I find myself less and less angry at Apple for the money side of things because I, I actually think it's it's kind of fine. And more just like figure out what you want the iPad to look like. Yeah. And and let me run decent applications, real applications on the iPad. That's really, I think, where they could have gone off. They do say that there is some policy decisions that limit the access to some of the capabilities of the hardware, but that's about as far as the report goes. They don't really dig into it. Well, well, and the report is like, okay, so what's the alternative? Apple gets to interpret whatever rules that the government puts down. I don't know that that's going to be much better. I mean, maybe you could say, well, allow alternative app stores, and then there's just an app store that's buyer beware. But, like, as a nerd, I love that. As a developer, I love that. But as someone who supports all their family's devices, I would just, like, forbid them all from installing that app store. Oh, yeah. For right? sure. Yeah. Immediately. I'd be like, no, you just pay the inflated prices at Apple. Even, even if it costs more in the Apple apps, or just pay more. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like this is yesterday's battle. I know. Given how data is becoming really the valuable asset here, I mean, is anybody trying to make money selling an app for ten bucks anymore? Yeah, you know, it's funny. They say uh, that in the report it outlines some of the main harms to consumers, and one of them they say is that prices are inflated due to fees collected by the gatekeepers. I'd argue the opposite. Yeah, I know. I think they are. I think they're saying the thirty percent cut or fifteen percent cut, but I mean, the app stores have led to. An unbelievable dumping in the price. Like I, I think it's one of the most remarkable things we've witnessed is how applications went from fifty, sixty dollars a pop to ninety nine cents and free. Consumers are paying less than ever for software. And free is the default now. And they're getting riddled with subscriptions as a result. Yeah, but are they getting riddled? I mean, I don't think again, this is our bias, but most small indie app developers, I don't think they're doing super well right now. Yeah, you're right. This is it would have been amazing to have this report come out a decade ago. Right. And it does things in here too. Like they talk about the web browser situation. Um, but man, it's just, I don't know, it's a fascinating read, but it's, it's not going to do anything other than it's going to support the passing of one of these two bills, which is going to give them broad powers. That's undefined and honestly a little creepy. I just don't like it. Uh, also news this week that uh, Apple sales have dropped 5%, the largest quarterly revenue decline since 2016. Uh, they blame a strong dollar, production issues in China affecting the iPhone 14 Pro and iPhone 14 Pro Max, and the overall macroeconomic environment. Um, I think the reality is is that people are not buying iPhones. I mean, I, I know they say that there's some sort of production issue on the iPhone 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max. I think people aren't buying $2,000 iPhones. But, they, you know, they're doing all right. Apple now has more than 2 billion active devices worldwide. And you just got to figure, I hate to say this, but as as sales continue to drop for a bit, if they do, if they do continue to drop for a bit, they're going to turn inward on those 2 billion active users and uh, find opportunities to monetize, I suspect. We shall see. But it's it's going to be a challenging year for tech and uh, and for Apple. And the stock market has expected Apple to always grow, grow, grow since the iPhone. And uh, this is their biggest drop since 2016. The uh, Again, we'll have links to the report in the show notes if you'd like to read it yourself. And uh, the two bills to keep an eye on is the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. You can go read up about that. Or the Open App Markets Act. It's an interesting name. Open App Markets Act. O-A-M-A. I don't know, man. Silly names. Silly names. So they, you know, usually when they, 
Usually when the name is open app market, it's the opposite or something. <laughs> open app market, but some people are more open than others. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. User 350 was jiving with you. 25,000 sats came in on a boost to save Mike. I don't know if it was a dream or maybe we got psychically connected. I hope you're okay right now, but picture a large leopard jumps up on the table. I love this. Knocking over the contents of a tasty beverage into a brand new MacBook Pro. You scream and tear, scaring the large cat, spurring it to jump out the window and into the snow. Before it races off into the distance, it looks up, seeing the falling sun. Oh, microsystems. <laughs> and darkness covers us all. <laughs> Gerbred. Thank you, sir. That was... If I if I die in my sleep before episode five oh five, this <laughs> this dude just called it. Like, yeah, yeah. It'd be a weird. It'll be a weird thing to have a snow leopard down in Florida, but I could see it. I could see it. Oh, we're here. We're just. You know what? We're hanging out with our good friend Duke. We're very sad. Pour one out. Legit Savage came in with five thousand sets. Regarding the tech layoffs, I've had three fe- friends affected by the mass layoffs. Oof. Last one took a new job offer this week, though. I work for a mid-sized IT consulting company, about 2,000 employees. We're constantly looking for new folks, especially devs, not because of turnover, but growth. Folks in my specific office are frequently pushing over 100% billable hours. I think any recession that happens will be because of big tech pumping their stock values at the employee's expense. Yeah, they sure have been. Yeah, the jobs report came in really good. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't put something in here to brag about your epic prediction. Uh, you know, I don't need to do that. People that notice, notice. Exactly right. On <laughs> not only what they would do, but the basis points. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, take a bath. Also, Legit Savage, if you guys are having problems getting your dev work done, do I know a company that can help you? Hit me up, the Mad Botter. We're great. There you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chlorophora comes in with a total of 8,888 sets sent over four boosts. So I was trying to jump into sat streaming. This is one of the options where you just listen and it just sends sats in the background. Um, so I could send some sats to my favorite podcast. But to my surprise, if you start with the lowest settings of 10 sats per minute, you pay an extra sat, six sats per minute in fees. Oof. That's so stupid. 40% of the money spent goes to Fountain FM. That's way too much. Um, yes, that is a lot. That seems um, wild. And um. the thing is, each app can set their own fee rate. Now, I think this is an area that's going to take a little while to settle out. But traditionally, the podcast apps are left out of all the action. So when a podcast and any developer creates a podcast app, they can maybe sell a subscription to help ongoing development. Maybe they can do ads in the app, right? There's not a lot of options for them to monetize long-term that podcast app. Boost and the splits offer an opportunity for the podcast app maker to have ongoing revenue as part of it. So that's kind of the purpose of the fee is it also helps the, the ongoing development of the podcast app. But because there's not like a standard, each app can experiment with their own uh, fee settings. And so you got to You do want to watch for that. So the difference between a boost and sat streaming is a boost is like a message with a fixed set of sats that you put in there and sat streaming is you set an amount like 10 sats per minute. I do 200 sats per minute. And then it just sends those in the background as you listen. Um, So he says to mitigate this though, they could just minimize the split. So every split generates an extra sat fee. So that's good to know. Uh, I I didn't even think about the splits adding more fees. So I will play around with that. 
says, maybe you guys could motivate Fountain FM to add a period setting as a better way to get something more stable than zero. Cheers, longtime listener and rip to Patreon. Keep up the good job producing the show. An immutable OS core sounds very interesting. It'd be a great way to introduce new people to stable Linux or for use on servers. I agree with you there. I, I cut that down a little bit to uh, keep it tight, but I agree that an immutable OS makes a fan friggin-tastic server OS, man. Oh, I was going to say on the server, that is an interesting, very interesting idea. Very interesting. I also, by the way, am doing uh, uh, Nix OS, which is immutable on our OBS machine. So that way, if anything ever goes wonky, we just roll back. You just in grub at the boot screen, you just select your previous state and it just boots right into it. Do you know know what I've been a little more aggressive with? Totally off topic, but kind of related. Hot swapping Docker images. Have you ever tried this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, like, you don't need to pay Docker Hub. And in fact, they kind of don't support this. You can host your own. Uh, You could even use Linode to host it if you like. Mm -hmm. See what I did there? Yes, you could. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. It's surprisingly effective. And my, my point being, if you were using Nix or some other immutable Linux OS for your server, I think, and I have to try this because unfortunately my stuff is super tied to Sue's that I'm uh, send your hate mail to Alan <laughs> at jupiterbroadcasting.com. <laughs> Deep breath. I think you could theoretically keep the application layer, but hot swap the user land, which is most likely to get corrupted, right? Yeah. This might be crazy. Like I, I've been... So I'm trying to lower my, you know what? We'll say next week we're talking server costs. All right. We'll do Ooh, it next week. Oh, yeah, boy. Because it, right. it's, it's a big conversation. I don't want to sound, there's a lot here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. CB sent us in 6,666 sats, and he made us a awesome animation. Like, uh, I don't know. Oh, slot machine. It's a slot machine kind of like. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a slot machine. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the Coder Radio crypto rap video. You all have to watch it. <laughs> oots, oots, oots. Oots, oots. That's not rap. That's EDM. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm an old man. You, know, you got to get your gin and juice and your Coder Tumblr. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, this is how you This is how you guys know the recession has hit me. I'm just selling everything today. <laughs> and our last boost this week came in from Sir Alex Gates, the podcasting 2.0 consultant with 10,000 sats. He says the droids in Star Wars don't have generalized intelligence. Why should ours? Okay. Okay. Step off for a second. <laughs> okay. First of all, R2-D2, basically, without R2, we're all Sith right now. Just saying. Oh, man. Yeah. So don't be, don't be dunking on my R2. BB-8, I hate BB-8. He should die. Go away. I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say that. We finally have a common a commonality on, on Star Wars here. BB-8 is the worst. Like, everybody says Jar Jar's bad. What did BB-8 do? Other than, like overeat on uh, Popeye's chicken and roll around like a jackass. You know what? R2 fought. Think about it. R2 is the most decorated veteran in all of Star Wars. Him and Vader. That's it. And you know, Popeye's chicken might be the best fast food chicken there oh, is. Oh, I love Popeye's chicken. But, I, you know, I, I, unbelievable. Last time I was able to roll down I-75 in Florida, yeah. I yeah. knew that <laughs> time to chill on the Popeye's chicken. Maybe go check out yeah. Panera to have a salad, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like BB-8 and, just can't stop himself. BB-8 has a problem, okay? And also C-3PO. Like, I don't judge the way anybody lives, but come on, C-3PO. Let's not go there. I mean, I, let's, I mean, let's how did you get friendly. that golden unless you were in a golden shower, sir? Now, the thing is... <laughs> Chris like, nope. I feel like we're going to build the BB-8s or whatever, the, with the BO-8 or whatever it is, 
Trish, B.O. B-O I like how much we hate BB-8. This is weird. But R2-D2 is amazing. Yeah, we're not going to build R2, though. We're going to build BO8. An idiot you know very well almost spent $2,000 at the Sharper Image to buy an R2-D2 bartender robot. (laughs) (laughs) The worst part is that story is 100% true, and nobody would doubt it ever. No, I I totally don't. (laughs) You're like, of course. Uh, All right, well... That brings us to the end. So you know what? I guess I'll mention one more last time. Go get the robe while it's in stock. No, I will not be doing any more runs. So get it while you can if you want it. Yeah, he he will. Smoking jacket. I gotta give us. You know what? I should give a special shout out. Actually, I, I meant to mention this earlier in the show, but for like fifteen minutes, the robe was live while we were testing things out a few days ago. Oh my god! Yeah, Terry from Georgia snagged one immediately for like the fifteen minute window that we had the the orders open. All good. It's already shipping, I think. So, I mean, that was actually really nice to see. It was, it was actually a perfect test. So it worked out really well. It's shipping, but it was like, wow, he must have been watching. <laughs> he was on it. Very impressed. Or he just nailed the timing on that one. Jupiter Garage or uh, the coder.win. It all goes to the same place. Oh, if you'd like to send a boost into the show, you can go uh, over to the podcast index with the Albi extension and you can boost right from the web or go grab a new podcast app, newpodcastapps.com. Podverse is my current favorite because it is GPL and it's available. Get get ready. It's a hybrid app. It's on the web. Ooh. It's on Android and it's on iOS. Oh. Yeah, I think it's React. I think they're using React. React Native. We didn't even put that. We'd have to talk about that too. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good. You know, totally good. All right. Well, so a new podcast apps for that. And of course, members, don't forget, you also get a discount that's posted in your members area and a new uh, Coderly is in the works. Just been sick and busy, but it is in the works and we appreciate your support as a thank you. You get the ad-free feed, and uh, you can get a little tighter version of the show. Sign up at coderqa.co, or you can get all the shows ad-free for the whole dang network at jupiter.party. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people? You know what? Not today, but I will say I have a little bit of bandwidth for iOS and Rails over at TMB. If you need something done in either iOS or Rails, let me know. There you go. All right. Well, then that does bring us to the end. Coder.show slash 504 for links. Of course, our contact page is over there as well as our subscribe page. So you can get the show every single week. And then there's a whole network of shows over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Lots of good shows. I'm going to mention Linux Action News. Don't get caught up on the uh, world of Linux and open source. There is a Snow Leopard wannabe we covered. Hello, System. We did a little review of Hello, System in uh, LAN recently. I love it. It's very fascinating based on FreeBSD. All things should be like Snow Leopard. <laughs> we do this show live on Mondays over Jupiter.party. You can get it in your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program, and we'll see you right back here next week.